one of the things I've learned over the years, and it's it's definitely proven true here in our relationship, is that holding a feeling of loneliness or aloneness inside of myself without sharing it is a recipe for something worse coming. And it's interesting how without the agenda to change it or try to fix it or declare a war against it or or what any of these approaches, just being with the experience tends to soften and start to metabolize the experience and help it move. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Art of We. This is podcast episode number 57. And today we are going to touch on something that some people are calling an epidemic. Right now, we've talked about the epidemic of mental health. This is related to it. This is the epidemic of loneliness and isolation. And our intent with this episode is that we really just want to normalize feelings of loneliness and isolation, especially during the darkest days of the year, at least where we live in the United States. I know that happens in other countries as well at this time of year, not all of them. And the tendency for, even if we're in a most amazing partnership or we have extraordinary family and community, that there there can be sometimes for some people a feeling of loneliness during this time of year. And just really naming that likely if it's not happening to you, it probably is happening to people around you who you care about and who you love. And so we just wanted to touch on that on this episode. I wonder how much of the loneliness we feel at this time of year happens sort of almost like a biological experience of shorter days and for us colder weather and kind of being more in a hibernation mode and how much of it is the relational elements or the expectations of Hallmark card cultural, you know, Norman Rockwell families at holiday seasons. Totally. I was reading a publication by the U.S. Surgeon General of 2023 around loneliness and isolation. And I thought it would be interesting to share a few statistics about loneliness and isolation and impact just to create a little context about, you know, whether it's relational or seasonal or biological impacts of loneliness. I think that it's important for us to really pay attention reading these statistics, I was like, oh, goodness gracious. Sounds great. So how about I share those real quick here? It's just a short little paragraph here. The lack of social connection poses a significant risk for individual health and longevity. Loneliness and social isolation increase the risk for premature death by 26 and 29% respectively. More broadly, lacking social connection can increase the risk for premature death as much as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. 
In addition, poor or insufficient social connection is associated with an increased risk of disease, including 29% increased risk of heart disease and 32% increased risk of stroke. It's also associated with increased risk for anxiety, depression, and dementia. Additionally, the lack of social connection may increase susceptibility to viruses and respiratory illnesses. We're social creatures and primates, humans. It's interesting to think about this huge, as you said, epidemic of loneliness and pandemic and remote working and things never really went back to normal, if there ever was a normal before March of 2020. So we're all, I think, still reeling from that. And as you mentioned, the the rates of mental illness have soared. It's really skyrocketed. It's quite scary. The research on the toxicity of loneliness is pretty stark. It's interesting to know that it's worse than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. I mean, we could be smoking and being super happy <laughs> instead of not smoking. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we have often thought about that, you know, in cultures where there may be more social connectivity, but it could happen in a bar or, you know, where you're drinking and smoking and, you know, this kind of prim and proper sort of orthorexic kind of approach to trying to get perfect with your diet and your exercise and your this and your that and do everything perfect. Yeah. That would be orthorexic. Orthorexia is obsessive perfectionism around diet. Okay. And there's orthosomnia, which is like trying to get your sleep perfect. Maybe wearing an aura ring like I am and obsessing about the numbers on it. <laughs> I don't know what ortho relationship would be, but that's a new word for us to consider here. Stressing out about a relationship not being perfect. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's that's actually a really good entryway into talking about when there is a feeling of loneliness or isolation inside of a relationship. Historically, I can go to, oh, there's something wrong. And I still do sometimes. Like, if I'm feeling less connected to you, sometimes I feel like that is wrong. I shouldn't feel less connected to you. Versus what we're attempting to communicate on this podcast episode, which is, a certain amount of feeling of disconnection or loneliness or isolation, even inside of a relationship, is normal. Mm. How do you know or what what tells you when the amount of loneliness or isolation you're feeling in our relationship is a normal amount or acceptable amount for you? I would say if I were noticing some red flags about our way of relating or way of being together on a regular basis that aren't being attended to, then I might have concern about if I'm feeling pulled back or if I'm feeling a little bit lonely or alone. I think a lot of that is just my own psychology versus there's actually something wrong going on with our relationship. And obviously, you know, I'm letting you know that I'm feeling lonely. Like these, these past couple of weeks, I've been feeling pretty flat, which tends to orient me towards feeling a sense of isolation, even though I have your contact, I have your presence, I have a lot of resources too. There's just something in the field for me that's happening that I don't think there's anything wrong about our relationship at all. I just feel like there's potentially shorter days, it's getting darker. I haven't historically been affected by seasonal affective disorder, the SAD, but it almost feels like a flavor of that this year. And there's so much going on in our lives that there's so much to celebrate and so much to be happy about. And at the same time, there's this other thing that's happening. And 
it feels lonely in my system, but just because I don't have a sense of what to do with it. It's just kind of here. And no matter how much connection or contact you and I have, it just seems to remain, which just says to me that I'm going through some sort of phase or process. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot going on in the world right now too. And I think that that's, you know, conflicts in the Middle East, um, the war in the Ukraine, we have an election ramping up. We've got Donald Trump under indictment and in trials and trying to get his trials televised for publicity. I mean, there's so much going on right now. Economic uncertainty. There's a lot. See you buffs are losing. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so it's, We live in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> so we've been on the prime time, watching the prime time, like just that whole experience unfold, which is a whole other thing to unpack. Yeah. Well, I, that's a good example because it's sort of like this, for those of you who are not following that saga with University of Colorado football, there was a tremendous amount of excitement and hype and there were even a few exciting wins at the beginning of the season. And then it's just been sort of one step down after another into the trench of despair and hopelessness. <laughs> and <laughs> it's kind of like that, you know, like that, I think that really kind of encapsulates <laughs> the state of affairs in the world right now. Like, it's just like, there's a helplessness, right. a helpless feeling. I mean, we're, we're working on a project for therapists in the Ukraine to help them learn about psychedelic therapy, which is one step in the direction toward trying to do something about what the things are that we know about what's going on. And there's so many different things to work on, you know, whether it's poverty or, you know, war or trauma or, education or hunger or like, yeah, your work with the YWCA and racism and women's empowerment and reproductive rights. And it's just like, it goes on and on. And so I'm personally feeling a, a little bit of the, the weight of things going in a sort of feel like teetering a little bit in the world right now. It feels uncertain. I'm so glad that you brought that up. There is a sense of hopelessness. And I think that feeds into my feeling of flatness that then has me feel a little bit more isolated. So what we want to do here is normalize it for, for anybody else who is feeling these, these kinds of feelings. And when we come back for the break, we can share little ways that we work with this in the face of what, everything that's going on in the face of hopelessness, in the face of potential loneliness that we use to help us get us through those times. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance. And now back to the episode. Okay, welcome back. 
we want to say thank you to all of you who have been following us through this year and listening to our podcast episodes. We are just so grateful, first of all, for those of you who take the time and energy to learn about relationship and to trust us as some of your people to go to, to learn how we're doing relationship and what we stand for and attempting to move this world forward into a more we perspective than an I perspective. And today's topic is really about, for me, about when I can get lost or we can get lost collectively in an I perspective because it can feel really lonely and isolating and hopeless <laughs> like we've been talking about. So we thought we would share some things that we do or how we orient at times when we are going through some of these periods. And Will, you and I were in the bath the other night talking a little bit about what helps me through these periods. And I will say that taking bath, hot baths with you is such a sweet moment. Like every time I get in the bath with you, I just like melts. And for me, usually it's these little things of really being fully present with the moment that really helped me get through some of the flatness or loneliness. Skin time with you always helps. For those of you who haven't heard us talk about skin time, it's really the commitment to laying down with each other, putting our skin on each other, and just literally like being with each other and being with what's here and what's present. And there's something that's so biologically soothing to feel another person's skin on our skin. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I've learned over the years, and it's it's definitely proven true here in our relationship, is that holding a feeling of loneliness or aloneness inside of myself without sharing it is a recipe for something worse coming. And it's interesting how without the agenda to change it or try to fix it or declare a war against it or, or what any of these approaches, just being with the experience tends to soften and start to metabolize the experience and help it move from the perspective of emotional experiences meant to be fluid and dynamic. And when it gets stuck, you know, sometimes just contact with someone you can trust and sharing your experience is quite magical, the effect that that can have. And that doesn't cost anything and, and, and as far as money, but it does require some courage and some vulnerability and it requires investing in a relationship so you have a person like that in your life, which, you know, doesn't come for free in terms of um, energy and effort. Right. And setting the context for me is really helpful. Like you were saying, like, I don't want this to be fixed or perceived that there's something wrong here. I just wanted to be held and heard and seen and known. And I'm the same as you is when I can express that in a way that is held in a sacred container with somebody, it really does start to move. And I want to go back to the skin time conversation because I also recognize that there's a lot of people who don't have a primary person to have skin time with. And this can be a particularly lonely, lonelier time of year when there's a bunch of holidays, at least here in the U.S., and they feel more isolated because they're not sharing those holidays with somebody. And so for those of you who are listening who don't have a primary partner to do skin time with, I can say that my second best option to that is to find a furry friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I know when like Coco or Biggie lay on me, on my chest, and this is actually something that they train, what are they called? Emotionally supportive pets, ESPs. Emotional support animals. Yes. They train those animals to put their body weight on our body weight because it's actually super regulating. And for me, it does something very magical as well. So find a furry friend if you don't have a... What if it's a Mastiff or a Great Dane? Even better. (laughs) (laughs) They'd have to be pretty well-trained though, probably. (laughs) But even contact with them, you know, in in little moments of just like eye gazing with the dogs is super sweet for me. Mm -hmm. Making contact with friends making a special treat that I normally wouldn't make in the kitchen, like these protein brownies that turned out horrible, but still there was something about like having something that was supposed to be super yummy can help me get through these moments of flatness. I thought they were pretty great. I think you should put the recipe in the show notes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if you don't have a furry friend at home, you know, there's there's probably a um, animal shelter in your neighborhood that you could check out. And those animals really need contact and our daughter Sophie is a uh, such a generous soul um, who loves going to the shelter and being with the animals and volunteering there. So I've learned a lot from her about giving back, you know, to these sweet creatures who give so abundantly to us. Yeah, she's been really a good teacher there. And speaking of giving, I think that for me, when I'm focused on giving in these flat moments or moments of being alone, really giving some, something to somebody else or an organization, it really helps me too, like focusing on other. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that. It's kind of like an Aikido move of like, you know, feeling some kind of need, right, for contact. And then rather than approaching it from a point of view of, I need to get something from somebody, you know, going out and giving can actually fill the need in an interesting reversal. And that kind of feeds into another element, which is um, trying to, you know, if, if there is an element of hopelessness and helplessness that we've touched on earlier in this show, then finding a way to do something, even anything minimally small to crack through the ice of that helplessness can really start to restore a feeling of, of life and energy in the system. Mm-hmm. It could be something small, like uh, sending a text to somebody who did something nice for you and just saying thank you, you know, out of the blue with no yeah. anything. It's just so simple. Mm. Moving my body too can really help crack that fog or that kind of yes. inertia feeling of stuckness. It's a great one. Getting out for a walk. Yeah. I mean, these are like simple things, but I think it's back to the basics always in this kind of situation. Getting sun in your face, even if it's too cold to have short sleeves on. Um, Yeah. You know, being kind and engaging and curious with the cashier at the store. Yeah. Simple, simple things that can really make a big difference. Is there anything that you would want to share from a psychiatry perspective or a psychological perspective, given that the people when you used to see patients and they would come in with something like this or an actual diagnosis of seasonal affective disorder, what would you generally prescribe or suggest that they do back in those days? Yeah, well, I would say that there were seasons in my life when I was younger, in my 20s, where I had 
experiences in the fall that felt to me like seasonal affective depression or seasonal affective disorder. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't really that interested in medication or ever taking antidepressants. So I never did that, but I did take a kind of a scientific approach to like what, what's been out there, you know, what, what's been studied for seasonal depression. And one of the things I found was bright light treatment, bright light therapy. And it's pretty cool. There's actually really solid research to support this kind of treatment. And it's not just any kind of light. You don't want to just, you know, get a bunch of, uh, I don't know. LEDs. Yeah. <laughs> LEDs or, you know, those wonderful $50 halogen corner lamps that you get at Target when you're in college or something. But anyway, it has to be a certain brightness and there are medical grade lamps that you can buy that and there's a certain number of minutes every morning that you need to use it for, which I won't go into the details here on this show. But the point is that bright light treatment is often effective within just a few days of starting to use it for this kind of dark time of the year problem. Mm -hmm. And it has fewer side effects than medication. And so I'm a big fan. If people were interested in that, would you suggest they just Google bright light therapy and see what comes up and to find products that way? Or how would, what's the best avenue to find? The company that I used to recommend, and I think they're still in business, is called Northern Lights Technologies. It's a Canadian company. And they have two or three different products that are fairly affordable and that come with the required amount of brightness, which is 10,000 lux. The unit of brightness is LUX lux. So if they're still around, that would be a good one to look for. What about any kind of supplements without us being, you know, responsible for your listeners' health (laughs) and like... We're not giving medical advice here, but I'm curious if there's anything that you might recommend from that perspective. Well, one thing that I will say about that is it's common in the Northern Hemisphere to run low on your vitamin D level. And this has to do again with light and getting outside and having vitamin D produced in your skin from light exposure which of course you have to be careful about when and how and how much and all that because of skin cancer. But low vitamin D levels are closely associated with depression. So it's difficult for any treatment for depression to work well if your vitamin D level is too low. So getting that checked is a simple blood test and vitamin D supplementation is relatively inexpensive you know, like 10 bucks for a bottle for a month type of thing. So that's another important foundational tip, I would say, that has a seasonal, you know, quality to it. Yeah, and it's interesting that you've seen direct correlation around it actually needing to have that supplement in order to have the depression lift. Yeah. One of the main causes of a failure to respond to attempts to deal with depression is low vitamin D. Wow. Good to know. Well, I just want to say to all of you who are listening, like we're all in this together. I don't think any of us are immune to the different and difficult emotions that we can experience at different times of the year that have some sort of flavor of isolation, loneliness, depression. Like if we're being really honest with ourselves, we're all fully human and none of us can escape these challenging times. 
and we're, you know, we're not immune to it either. So we would love to hear anything that you want to share with us about your journey around loneliness or seasonal affective disorder. If you want to reach out to us and let us know that, you can reach us at kristavanderveer.com. Feel free to email us. We'd love to hear your experience and other tips that you might have about how you make it through these challenging times. I have one more thing to add (laughs) before you go. You know, the other thing to bear in mind this time of year is that we all have memories that might not be conscious memories. They might be conscious, but they're more likely not to be conscious. And when they're not conscious, they get experienced as sensation in your body around this time of year that are associated with holidays and family. Um, So Mm. most people, and I mean most people, like the vast majority of people, have what you could call implicit memories of disappointing experiences around this time of year. Feeling misunderstood, watching your parents argue at Thanksgiving, you know, the weirdo uncle looking at you weird over the turkey or what you know, whatever the thing is. So having these um, subtle kind of cues in our body show up this time of year is absolutely and totally normal. So I just want to mention that because some people, you know, might not be aware that that is a very common phenomenon. Um, Every once in a while, I meet a person who has warm and fuzzy feelings about their family from holidays, but it's actually pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty uncommon in my experience. So, you know, these are, to me, these somatic experiences are, are invitations to create new experiences that like an old cassette tape, like right over the old recording in your body. Mm, I love that invitation. I feel like I could even get in there more with you about our experience and what we want to create and what's happening. There might be some deeper layers, layers over here that we discover. So thank you for that. Yeah. I just got a moment of joy thinking about making a healthy-ish pumpkin pie as a way to rewrite whatever's going on in my system right now. Yeah. So maybe you'll have to do and that. And maybe we'll put on the kiffness while we do that together. <laughs> the kiffness. You have to say now briefly what kiffness is now that you brought kiffness well, up. Speaking but... of loneliness and animals, animal friends, <laughs> I, I kind yeah. of fell in love with the kiffness a few months ago. This is spelled K-I-F-F-N-E-S-S. Yeah, the kiffness. And I'll share the punchline first and then kind of backfill that Krista found out that the Kiffness was on his first and so far only tour of the world, uh, stopping through Denver on our very own anniversary of our first date. So we got to see the Kiffness in Denver, thanks to Krista. It was so much fun. So the (laughs) Kiffness is in a, a YouTube sensation who is a South African person who inside of the pandemic was watching animal videos in YouTube to, you know, deal with his loneliness, I guess. <laughs> and he's a really pretty talented uh, music producer and musician, multiple instruments. And he started playing accompaniments to funny cat and dog situations. Like noises, like meowing and barking. Yeah. and Definitely yeah. worth a look in YouTube if you need a quick laugh. Yeah, we basically, in some form, bring up Kipnis <laughs> like recently, just because these the so- the songs are actually kind of addictive. <laughs> yeah. So go check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes too. Yeah. Okay, so maybe we go check out some Kipnis and then make some pumpkin pie. 
Sounds good. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, everybody. See you next time. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow the show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If the show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the Art of We Podcast.